if that's your podcast. We can talk a little bit about it. We're I, just talking objectively. I don't want to double dip. I'm just saying, so, like, I've... The probably True Grit and No Country for Old Men are the two that I've seen the list least. Oh. And I, 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 I love True Grit. I... There are a lot of things that I have kind of retroactively in, in memory really enjoyed about No Country. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I had just read the novel, thought it was a masterpiece, there were things that I wanted to see portrayed on screen that were not then portrayed on screen. I was like, well, fuck, this is not the adaptation I wanted. Um, oh, so that's what you mean about it. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. So, and I haven't gone and revisited it. Um, mm-hmm. Ambiguous endings and whatnot, that, that kind of shit doesn't bother me. I, I agree with what you guys are saying about how the Coens are masters of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of the things that I love about their films. But just for some reason, when I went into the theater and sat there and watched it, I'm like, you know, it's not the novel. I was the novel snob. I'm okay. like... <laughs> well, to... to um, so I'm looking forward to rewatching it for your mm, podcast, yeah, I guess so, is what I was saying. But my rebel is, keep in mind that uh, Cormac McCarthy's screenplay follow-up was The Counselor. Mm. And sure. there's, there's a reason <laughs> um, uh, professionals take things out. No, 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 I get it. I, you know, it's, I think that... <laughs> I mean... Here, here's the thing. I, I am a film lover. I'm, I would consider myself somewhat of a cinephile. I don't think I'm a film snob. I am kind of a literature snob, and I'm in a little bit of an adaptation snob. Yeah, that's so, true. you know, I mean, mm-hmm. th- that was that was. I, I I am much more on the literature side. I'm an English yeah. major, a poetry major. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's my bag. I guess if you mm-hmm. to borrow from Austin yeah. Powers, that is my bag. You uh-huh. know what's what's funny is I've been reading The Glass Key for slowly. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the last few weeks because you know time and uh but it amazes me how much they get the world down from that hammett established mm. like it's um or no one has i've not read what's the rumpus yet <laughs> um or anything like that but it does it I've- does perfectly capture like a hammett novel I you, yeah. they I mean they're they're masters of dialect too. Mm, yes. I, I mean the fact that all <laughs> I all I want to do is end conversations now by saying you give me the hi hat. <laughs> Are you giving me the hi hat? Yeah. Um, I I'm you know I make you a generous offer and you show me the hi hat. Um, it's. <laughs> It's all about I, hats, man. Okay, while we are on the subject of your po- of your podcast, which is the life of the mind, this podcast is mental platypus. I'm Jared. I'm Jason. Um, I don't know how much longer you'll be able to find us on social media. I did start a Mastodon account. You did? I did. Um, I'm tempted, but I'm kind of enjoying my vacation from Instagram and, and Twitter. Uh, the more I read about the hellscape that Twitter has become. And it has, yeah. And I, I have not been on there as, as much. But um, So, I mean, the day is coming. I am taking utter delight in the fact that it's absolutely falling apart since Elon's takeover. Yeah. It's it's just fun to watch it burn, and I think it's deserving. The thing is, is that people think it's falling apart. I think he knows exactly what he's doing. Maybe. I mean, he's no dummy. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I, I do. I, I, I have 
I have a little bit of a hope that it will crash and burn, and I will take perverse pleasure from it. Oh, yeah. I mean, if it crashes and burns, I, I'm like, I knew a month ago this was going to go hell. But, I mean, I mean, Mr. Apartheid Profiteer uh, will, uh, um, I think he knows what he's doing. I, I think he knows exactly what he's doing. I, I just, I mean, no one says you're going to double your hours. <laughs> Right. And go extremely hardcore. It sounds like he wants to gut it and get his people in. Yeah. Um, that's exactly what he's doing. And so that's. But I don't want to spend time talking about Twitter. I do want to wrap up the conversation on um, my. I mean, mental platypus might start becoming a, a life of the mind commentary. Um, yeah. Or like, <laughs> uh, after show kind of thing. But the. We'll get Chris um, and Barb on here. Sure. Yeah. No, I mean, hey, I'm all for for podcast um, podcast crossover. Now, uh, I am surprised that you guys in your Miller's Crossing discussion did not spotlight and and talk about John Polito's death. Oh yeah, oh just because there's still more Polito, we we get to enjoy. There is more Polito, but I mean, that's an amazing shot of him with like the broken banister rod going through his fucking head. Oh yeah. 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 Well, there was so much visual stuff I picked up on the last time around. Mm -hmm. Like, and part of it's because I, I read like Neiman's book and I do, I, for that, I kind of ran the show on that episode. Like I, yeah, it sounds like you guys I, are taking turns. Yeah. And I kind of guide the conversation. Oh, for so it was your worse. turn to pick a guest. And this time again, it wasn't me. Um, I know, but I'm not upset about it. It's fine. It's hey, 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 hey! I mean, I, I, I am glad that you picked a guest who shared my opinion of it being one of the best Coen Brothers films. I don't agree with Jen that it is the best Coen Brothers film, but it is, I think, one of their best. Hey, I, I just, dude, I, I, I went. Never mind. <laughs> Let's get off. Of I this. don't have to. I don't have to. I don't have to explain myself. No, to that's you. fine. I mean, you know, I get it. We talk to each other on a practically weekly basis and and host a pod. It's 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 fine to see other podcasters. Yeah, it's it's okay. I it's, don't mind. Uh, uh, thank you, thank you for you. You were not my first. Uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> I I'm I'm glad that you um, are agreeing to a polyamorous relationship when it comes to podcasting. But you know, and you have to realize that communication is the key. Uh, to any good polyamorous relationship, and here we are talking it out, hashing out our. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I th I think it's fine to see other podcasters. We can have an open podcasting relationship. Okay. It's it's okay. I'm I'm secure enough that you know in my in my standing. Um, obviously, obviously, I know that podcasting wise, you're always going to come home to me. Oh. <laughs> you, you keep the fires burning. Keep the mics hot and the fires burning. <laughs> oh man, I, I I can't believe that we took it down this route. But having oh, said that, <laughs> let's change gears in an awkward transition to uh, what our new uh, I guess I guess we can use the part in the parlance of our times mini series um, mm -hmm. is which is getting tweety with it. Yep, I believe I believe in television they refer to this as the limited series. Okay. Fine. I think, they, I think they got rid of miniseries in the 80s. But go ahead. 
There, there were a lot of things that were great about the 80s that didn't need to go. So we'll uh-huh. bring miniseries back. Okay. Miniseries so. is back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, we're, we're calling it Getting Tweety With It. No, 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 no. But twangy. <laughs> yeah, the, the, the nanas are implied. Uh, and this is the, the focus of this is Jeff Tweedy's um, extra, extra willkular output. <laughs> A phrase that just rolls off the tongue. Uh, so we're, we're talking, you know, in uh, Wilco. How about instead of, um, how about instead of extra willkular activities? It's it's willkiller. Wick, yeah, willkiller. Willkiller. Will, extra willkiller. Willkiller. <laughs> activities. We call it being where. Okay, there you go. Being where. <laughs> Is there a question mark at the yes. end of that? Being where. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I'm down with that. It's 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 good. It's good. Uh, it's got great great punth. <laughs> Now, th- we are limiting this to, you, you figure, essentially, Jeff Tweedy, I- in his Uncle Tupelo days, was, was pretty much solely focused on Uncle Tupelo. But once Wilco hits, he's, he's, he kind of, you know, will pop up here and there as, uh, a, like, a guest member of things, whether it's the quote-unquote, uh, and I use this term very loosely in this case, supergroup. Uh, alt country band of Golden Smog, right? Because he didn't join them. Was he part of it at the beginning? I'm gonna get to that. I've got notes, sir. I it's what I thought because this is this is me learning from you. Oh, is it, well, this is gonna be a wild ride. There's there's a couple of things I'm up I'm a, a, apparently upset is my um, is my word of this podcast. Uh, there are a few things that I'm upset about in that that I couldn't find in my research for for this this edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll get to that. But again, for, for the focus, you know, he, he shows up as a member of, of Golden Smog. Uh, he becomes a member of, uh, you know, uh, well, to an extent, minus five. Once we get to that, there's, there's an interesting collaboration kind of deal with, with the minus five that we'll get into. Uh, but he, he basically, he sort of becomes, and I would say it's, it's almost... Um, like his kind of restless creative output is is almost inextricably tied to um, him getting fully sober. If if you've read his biography, which I, I do highly recommend, um, I have, I, but it's been a few years. It's it, it's I think it's I I I really like Tweedy's voice as a as a as a writer. Um, in fact, I think I read I listened to the audiobook. That so you great. didn't read it? No. <laughs> I am one of those. Are we, are we gonna? I'm gonna be. I I have been and always will be uh, one of those people, a, a book snob, uh, in that I consider if you listen to a book on tape, you can't have read it. My strict definition of reading something is having a page with words on it that you look at with your eyes. Well, I agree. I didn't read it, mm-hmm. but I listened to it for as long as I would for. A, never mind. You absorbed it. I absorbed it. And and the author's voice. There you go. You. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Continue on. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No problem. Mm-hmm. I I will fully wear that. I I think that that that's that's the last 
that vestige of true snobbishness that I will always cling to. I think there is a distinction between reading something versus listening to it. Because simply because they're they're just different ways of engaging with it. Um, while you have your unabridged audio editions that are read in the voice of the author, I have always found, and this comes from being a primarily fiction reader, that reading the book allows you to do so in whatever voice you choose, whatever voice you choose to hear it, and you come up mm-hmm. with a voice for the character. Reading memoir, um, you know, obviously you hear it, if you know the person's voice, you kind of read it with their voice in mind. But um, I've already lost you because you're you're irritated by my snobbishness on this level. Yeah, you've lost me, dude. <laughs> All right. Anyhow, I'm I'm glad you went that. I'm glad you went through that long-winded explanation of why I'm not reading a book. <laughs> to which I reply, no shit. <laughs> <laughs> but please continue. Yes. There, I there's there's a segment of our listenership that agrees with me. There's I, also a section of our listenership that I'm sure also thinks I'm an insufferable ass, just as you do. Um, at this moment, yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. I I'll take it. I again um, at this at this point uh, that is probably as as I when we skip the morning ritual uh-huh. as we are this morning. Yes. You, the snub comes out, and I think it's hunger or coffee has something to do with it. It, it might. I haven't had my morning breakfast burrito yet. So, mm. um, but well, no, I'm anyway. I'm so sorry. No, that's, that's fine. I, I'm somebody who, who, who uh, cannot very easily change up his routine, but I, I, have, I have done it. Uh, my point with, with Tweety's memoir uh, is he talks about essentially segments of sobriety. He talks about having gotten alcohol sober uh, earlier on in his 20s. Uh, but, you know, the, the, the well-documented drug dependency stayed into, uh, into the point where he went into rehab uh, in the, in basically in the Ghost is Born period. I think they had finished recording the album, but um, there was a, a delay in release while he was in, in rehab. And he documents that and talks about it in his book. So I'm not talking out of school on that. Um, I would say though the point of this was that his his output has exploded since then. Uh, he's he's done a ton of production work, um, and also additional band work. Whether that was going into stuff with uh, uh, you know stuff on his own, uh, there the solo output obviously increased quite a bit. Um, but then also I feel like the work with the, the minus five kind of came about right around that time as well. And all of that production work came out at that time also. Anyway, my further point to this was the, and what were we calling it? The, the being where question mark? Being where question mark. Uh, that period begins with Wilco. It seems like as he found his footing as a band leader, uh, so too did he find his confidence in kind of contributing to to these, these uh, what I'm still going to call extra-wilkular activities. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, the, I mean, the, the, to stand toe-to-toe with Gary Lourdes. Right. So let's get into it now. Let's talk about... Um, I want to... There, there's a couple of things that I want to just kind of go through and then discuss, you know, maybe what our uh, experiences personally with this album are. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So on Golden Smog, well, Golden Smog itself is a band that was started as kind of a lark. Um, the story sort of goes that they, it's it's a, a sort of a pickup band that featured, um, at least initially, Gary Lewis and uh, and uh, Mark Perlman from the Jayhawks. Yep. Uh, Dave Perner and Dan Murphy from Soul Asylum. They were kind of like the the core group, and they would have. Um, and I want to say it was also. That's so odd to me. There's there's somebody else who was doing drums initially, um, which would then be the the seat would then be taken by um, Noah Levy from the the Honey Dogs. That's so odd to me that it's um, members of of Soul Soul Asylum, who I just always associate as a grunge band. Um, yeah, but I mean, you can hear elements of Americana in their music for sure. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm not disagreeing there, but I mean, Jayhawks. I mean, Jayhawks. Obviously, this is like it goes even further down. Oh sure, like that Americana folk rabbit hole. Well, so, I think he, like it's even more hardcore than what the Jayhawks were doing. I I think that it it was. A sort of outlet for for Perner to do some of the music that he liked that was not going to get played as part of Soul Asylum. Yeah. Um, and so their their initial show, at least, um, or the one everything everybody kind of thinks of as their their start was um, a. I think they called it "Take It to the Limit," and it was essentially like a show almost exclusively of Eagles covers. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> or great. Or great, yeah. Are you one of those people who hates the fucking Eagles? No, you know I don't hate the fucking okay. Eagles. Okay, I was going to say. I actually just listened to them yesterday. Eagles are great. But I was thinking about this yesterday um, as I was listening to Hotel California for the upteenth time. I don't know why. I mean, it's 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 one of those albums that people love to hate on, but there's a reason that it's sold as many million copies as it has. It is banger end to end. Yeah, no, no, yeah. I mean, you got from the tail track to pre maids all in a row with New Kid in Town, town in the middle. Yeah. Oh my oh, yeah. god! Well, I think Wasted Time is a is a fantastic track. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a great like regret song, looking back and regret song. Uh, I think even probably Don Henley's finest moment as a um, as as an environmentalist singer is has got to be uh, the last resort. Yeah, yeah, I yep, I agree wholeheartedly. I mean, Mr. Walden himself. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, I but as I was thinking, and I was as I was you know preparing for this too, I was thinking like. I was reading something about the Eagles about how amazing popular amazingly popular they were in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Like to the point where um you realize that like their greatest hits record has is it like the all time their first one is like the all time greatest selling record. Yeah, just period. Just period. And they weren't even halfway done with their career. Well, no. What's interesting about that to me... Like, that's how much they dominated. They Right, they did. But they didn't start that way. Mm-hmm. If you look at... I mean, the the Greatest Hits album that is the best-selling album of all time, mm-hmm. it features stuff from albums that tanked initially. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, when those those original albums came out, they you know they were scraping the bottom of the top two hundred. Mm-hmm. It wasn't really until they got to I want to say right around on the border, and then one of these nights where they started getting much more radio play, mm-hmm. and then exploded with Hotel California. Yeah, I want to say that the greatest hits that covers the period prior to Hotel California came out just like following Hotel California. Mm. But I feel like. And I could be way wrong. I mean, I'm not anything. I'm not an expert or anything. But I was just thinking, like, that pre-period, the the harmony, the folk rock, uh, the country-tinged mm-hmm. records. I mean, pretty much the Glenn, the Glenn Fry of it all. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, because there's, there's definitely a, a kind of fulcrum there where... Where as they're ramping up to Hotel California, that's where it becomes Henley centric band. Prior to that, mm-hmm. especially you know, especially in the first couple of albums, that's that's a fry fronted band. That's a yeah. fry led band. I mean, you think um, <clears throat> if you want to go so far, I mean, Hotel California is when Mulch joined the band and kind right. of things up and. You kind of hear like the last gasps, gasps of of Fry, like in Seven Bridges Road and Heartache Tonight. Well, Seven Bridges Road doesn't come out until oh, well, no, the live talking, album later, right? Yeah. But oh, I'm but talking you mean, about sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, I, yeah. Um, I'm just talking about like Latter Latter Day Eagles stuff because if you think about because Latter Day Eagles, I if you're going to think Hotel California or Life in the Fast Lane or sure, um, even like. The long run, I mean, is I think it's a Henley track, but mm-hmm. it feels like it, it's like it's still like that old school, and Sad Cafe kind of feels like a Fry track, though I think it's a Schmidt track. No, but, uh, the Sad Cafe is actually it's, it's a, a Walsh Henley track. song. Oh, no. is it, oh, it's, it's a, Henley. a Henley track. Henley but, led. I, well, <laughs> I so I, I guess my point is to get to the the point that I'm trying to make here. Sure, and I'm sorry, I. I um, is that there are people who love, love, love that early period, mm-hmm. especially much before Walsh joined the band. Mm-hmm. And I personally like Joe Walsh, you know, solo artist, James Gang. James Gang, sure. Yeah. yeah. But he definitely changed the DNA of the band. So, but there are people like my in-laws <laughs> and... um all the other stuff um, that like that harmony that like that band, the band esque type stuff. And yeah. I'm can't help but think like somehow this is like people like uh, in soul asylum and like all these other bands. It's like their response, like their F you Joe Walsh. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. So let's, I'm going to put, I'm going to have just a couple more things to say about the Eagles before we put a pin in it and mm-hmm. pivot hard back to Golden Spock. Um, I think that throughout the... I mean, if you if you read interviews and, like, for some reason, I, I, I have, like, weirdly delved into Eagles history. <laughs> so... I did too this week. I don't know why. Without having like watched the documentaries or anything, I think what doesn't Allison Eastwood have a documentary on on the Eagles? Mm-hmm. Um, that throughout the run of the band, once once you get past that first the first I would say 
Well, for sure the first album, but by the time you get to Desperado, that is a full collaboration of essentially Fry and Henley have put themselves front and center of the band. They mm-hmm. are the they are at the top. They are the the band leaders. They are the full collaborators. The best songs on the albums come from the the Henley Fry co writing credit. Right, right. Um, so I would say that it's it's a little bit less of Fry being pushed to the side, and more of the, of the outside personnel changes. So more to your Walsh point, because mm-hmm. as Bernie Leadon goes. There's, there's. I mean, he, you know, played banjo on tracks. He kept it definitely mm-hmm. grounded in in more country instrumentation. So Bernie Leadon goes, and then once Randy Meisner goes and be, and gets replaced by Timothy B. Schmidt, that's definitely the last vestiges of that. Yeah, when Meisner goes, so yeah. goes the Eagles. Right. So that at the at the point that Schmidt comes in, which he's just he's only there as a full band member on record for the last album. Yeah. Uh, Meisner's still on um on Hotel California. But and, and I would and just to, to for my Timothy Timothy B. Schmidt love, mm-hmm. um uh, I can't tell you why is like a fucking banger. <laughs> it took me so long to like that song. That was one of my least favorites for so long. Mm-hmm. I I I always thought of that as their like almost soft rock um, you know. No, I I love the I love the bass on that. Yeah, well, and, I, I and like just... Fry's got some very simple um, riff on the organ that mm-hmm. I really enjoy as well. Um, I I have come to appreciate that song. I love that song. But I... but yeah, you're 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 absolutely right. That I I I think that the the Fry Henley partnership stays the 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 focus throughout, but it is the musical direction of. Leiden and then Meisner leaving and then sort of it becoming the Felder and Walsh show. Yeah. Um, and that's it. That's all I wanted to say about the Eagles. But that it, gets us back. But I'm, I guess my point was, do you feel like this sort of Americana mm-hmm. thing that happened in the early to mid 90s was yes. sort of a response to like, their middle finger to like Meisner and and Walsh, to Felder and Walsh. To for Felder sure. and yeah. Walsh, yeah, yeah. No, I mean a I little think so. bit. This, this, and this also, was... and also, just like God, we love uh, Leave on Helm. We love the band, right? This was, I, I mean, the kind of the alt country explosion, if you want to say what how for for what that means, um, if it means anything at all. I think it's definitely it's it's the. It's the bands that loved listening to the Flying Burrito Brothers mm-hmm. and the band, um, and you know probably probably some early Eagles. But even there's, I think that th- th- I think that there's some appreciation for that '70s country mm-hmm. as well. You know, so I'm I'm thinking, like Ron I said, Singer. I think Linda Ronstadt, some Emmy Lou Harris in there. Um, yeah, you know the the fact that. But I, mean, I, I definitely think that that's kind of what they're responding to there, because mm-hmm. um, that's there's a lot of that kind of sound, especially in bands like the Jayhawks. Um, so, but back to their their kind of start, um, they they were primarily live, and then they were doing like random one off shows. I think there would be some personnel changes, but it, it was it was always you know. Lurus and Murphy kind of 
and, and Perlman at the at the crux of it. I think Perner kind of comes in and out. Mm-hmm. Um, but they they release they recorded and released an EP that was all covers that was uh, featured Chris Mars of uh, the Replacements. <laughs> um, that was actually I, I I bought a copy of that when they re-released it for Record Store Day. I want to say it was the most recent Record Store Day, um, and it it does basically. I see be, you waiting in line all morning for that. That was um, yeah, that was the prime one of the primary reasons I went f- for that day was for that one, and I think there was another Jonathan Richmond reissue. But, oh, the I Jonathan one. Yeah, uh, no, this one would have been the. Um, I think it might have been Modern Lovers, or ha- no, I think it was having a party with Jonathan Richmond. Okay. Um, anyway, the Richmond one is less important in this particular instance. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm just uh... the when you listen to it, it's definitely them just kind of having a blast, and you can see how this would be something that they wanted to kind of continue as a this is a fun thing to do as a side project kind of deal, and that mm-hmm. th- that to me is always the best iteration of that kind of band where you can listen to them having a good time and i think that that's something that actually carries over into down by the old mainstream Mm -hmm. um so getting a little bit into the you know let's putting it in context the the first thing that was driving me absolutely nuts that i was that i was most again upset by was i could not find an exact release date for this album (laughs) <laughs> all I could find was that it was released in 1995 so that's the best I can do for this one it's uh, dedicated to the Highwaymen no, which checks. which is if you don't know who the Highwaymen are that's the that's a true super group of country that was mm-hmm. Willie Nelson Johnny Cash was it Chris Christopherson mm-hmm. and Merle Haggard yes I I believe or was no, it's Waylon Jennings. Yes, I'm gonna say I, there's Waylon's in there for sure. It was the it's the four of them. Yeah. yeah. So so it was Nelson Cash, Christopherson, and Jennings. Yep. That's the four, um, which totally makes sense. I mean, that's that's the I think in some instances that's that's the the sound that they're they're going for. Um, do you have a copy of the physical CD? No, I don't. So so I was without liner notes on this one. That's that's what I ended up going back to. Um, CDs, man. They physical they, media, physical media. <laughs> I, I have one in the original Ryko case. That's that lovely green with the yeah. Ryko symbol etched into the bat back of it. Um, this is one where they have, and I'll pass this over to you here. Mm. Um, they've they've done some kind of mock covers as though the the uh, as though. Golden Smock had been around for quite some time. So, you know how you can you could look at the back of something and see earlier albums that were available, all, all the also available by this band kind of thing. Um, they've got, they're cleverly called uh, America's Newest Shipmakers. <laughs> the newest sounds of the Golden Smog. Uh, then there is, let's see, Swing and Smog People um, by Golden Smog. And Temple of the Smog. <laughs> so I'll let you uh, get a glimpse at those, those faked covers there. I um uh the uh <laughs> the 
that temple of the smog one. Uh, it's fantastic. Yeah, oh it's God. it's it's the Seattle Space Needle with uh, the, the the band stars, members yeah. in the in the in the big yeah in the in the cheesy looking stars. Yes, and I I'm I'm just chuckling uh, amazingly. Like this is just great. So the naming convention of the bands, which uh, is is also kind of a, a nod, I would say to. Um, the traveling Wilburys mm-hmm. in the pseudonyms. Uh, although, again, this is according to Wikipedia, so take it for what it's worth. The reason that they took on pseudonyms originally was be- was due to um, like recording contract bullshit. But the the naming convention is it's their middle name followed by the street they grew up on, or the street they were born on, or whatever. <laughs> so you've got Michael Macklin, who's Gary Lewis. David Spear, who's Dan Murphy, Raymond Virginia, who's Mark Perlman, Leonard Saratoga, which is Noah Levy, uh, Scott Summit is Jeff Tweedy, Jarrett Decatur is Craig Johnson, and Anthony James is Dave Perner. Uh, porn star names. Mm-hmm. That's how you do porn star names. Oh, Yes. Uh, or isn't it sometime like the the name of your first pet or something it's like the that? Name of your fir- I, it depends on who you talk to, but it's, it can be the name of your first pet and the name of the street you grew up on. Right. So mine would be uh, Patches Warwick. <laughs> that actually sounds that. like a great pen name. I don't know how great a porn name that is, but Patches Warwick is a great like you could write under that I name. I think Patches Warwick is soft but some soft but strong. <laughs> soft. But continue. Anyway, to continue. I don't even want to know yours. <laughs> I, no, I, don't, I don't know that I could think of it right now. Honestly, I don't remember. I was thinking about this. This is another tangent. But I was thinking That's about this. That's what they come this, here for. Right. As, as I was listening to your other podcasts, is that I don't know. Like, if I'm called on to say where I first saw something or, like, specific time and place memories... There's a lot of that that I have trouble with. I And I don't think it's because I have a bad memory necessarily. I just have a memory for different things. Like, I have tons of, of song lyrics memorized. I have full Simpson scenes memorized. I could probably recite High Fidelity and The Big Lebowski. Um, I could probably recite The Empire Strikes Back or Back to the Future when it comes to it. It's... Um, you know, I, I have tons of guitar chords memorized or chord progressions memorized. Uh, it's it, so I have a lot of stuff that's that's held in there. It's just a not very practical. <laughs> B, it's never going to help me out in a in any kind of you know dire sort of situation. And also, it's 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 not tied. None of it seems to be tied to specific you know years and places and that kind of thing, which I seem to. To have I, a harder time with. I, I, I my my spouse uh, frequently uh, points this out whenever she finishes an episode of our podcast. She's like, "Where where do you keep all that? How do you know all that?" And I'm like, "I don't know." <laughs> <laughs> but here's what I do know: if I had just filled it with like, you know, useful knowledge like anatomy or you know rocket science mathematic equations yeah, yeah sure like i'd be elon musk right now but not a dick or a apartheid profiteer 
Yeah. Yeah. I'd be the nice, you know, I'd be the nice genius. <laughs> but no, uh, here I am. You're the only one who cares about my useless knowledge. I'll occasionally spout it to, to... Well, that is that is essentially the reason we have this podcast, mm-hmm. is so that we have a repository for our useless knowledge. Yep. <laughs> and we're passing it on to the listener. Yes. At the low, low cost of free. <laughs> Unless you want to be a Patreon subscriber. Yeah. Five dollars a month and you get even more more, more, more useless knowledge. Yeah. If you have a great thirst for useless knowledge, boy have we got the bonus podcast for you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to the band. So the makeup the makeup of this band is is essentially in my mind it's Jayhawks Plus because mm. you've got Gary Lurris, who is is uh like the, the sole constants of it, let's say, of the band, as other members float in and out, are Gary Lurris, Mark Perlman, and Craig Johnson, uh, all of whom, you know, Perlman and Lurris are founding members of, of, um, of well, I mean, at least in the, in the case of, of Lurris, a founding member of Jayhawks, I think Perlman might have come in a, a little bit later, but he was definitely a band member by the time they're releasing their, mm-hmm. you know, their best known and best albums. Um, was it Hollywood High, I want to say? Hollywood High School or something like that. And then, um, no, it's not Hollywood High. Uh, Hollywood is in the title. Dang, I'm man, Jayhawks albums. Jayhawks, yeah, but uh, Tomorrow the Greengrass is their other great... Yeah, that one I'm familiar with. Um, I'm definitely familiar with Tomorrow the Greengrass, which we'll get to why uh, when we start talking about our relationship with this record. Right, yeah, no, I want to I wanna get to that. Um, no, Mark Perlman is, 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 is a founding member. They're, they're from the beginning. Hollywood Town Hall, that's what I was trying to think of, is the... Those two albums, Hollywood Town Hall and Tomorrow the Greengrass, are their best. Um, but then you've got, uh, it's, oh, it's Craig Johnson. That's what I was starting to say. It comes uh, from another band, um, but then once basically at this point is when he joins Jayhawks. This is where Mark Olson leaves the Jayhawks and Craig Johnson comes in. <laughs> Uh, and then you've got Dan Murphy, who is also a constant of the band, um, but, you know, from Soul Asylum. And then Perner starts, but he kind of floats in and out. Tweedy comes in at this point, and he's there for two albums, but then kind of comes in and out of the band. Um, so it's interesting. It's it's kind of Golden Smog ev- sort of evolves into basically the Jayhawk side project. Mm-hmm. Um now, 95 also happens to be the same year that the following albums are released by, by these members' primary bands. Mm-hmm. AM is released the same year, mm-hmm. Wilco's debut album. Uh, Tomorrow the Greengrass, Jayhawk's album, is also released this year. And um, the Soul Asylum album, shoot, I lost track of which... It's not the popular one, is it? No, it's the one that came right after it. It was... It was still pretty popular and um had kind of a, a big hit on it but um it was not um because grave dancers union is kind of the big, That's the big one let your dim light shine is the one that came out in okay. 95 
So that's still, they're still pretty popular at that point, but it's considered kind of a lesser follow-up album. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's where those respective bands were. And then this album comes out in, in that kind of period. And I would say from, especially from the Gary Lewis tracks on this album, uh, he is definitely in that mode of writing those those Tomorrow the Greengrass tracks. Yeah, and I can tell that for me, having listened to, I actually had listened to, um, I, I've been listening to Wilco a lot this week too. Um, I mean, you should be listening to Wilco a lot all the time. Right, but in particular, I was listening to um, a lot of like Wilco records. I mm-hmm. mean, it's not like it was different from any other week. But um, I can definitely tell, like, um, which ones are um, tweeties mm-hmm. um, because they're definitely in that AM, like uh, AM vein. Um, right. Uh, your casino queens, as it were. Sure. Uh, so, um, and definitely lyric-wise, feels like a, a tweety track, but... Um, with some details that maybe flourishes. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but that's, to me, I could discern which one was which, like who had it, but I mean, it felt pretty consistent throughout. Yeah. I. So what is your, you know, as, as we might as well kind of open this, this discussion point up a little bit, which is what is generally your, your feeling on those kind of super group albums? As oh, they are? um, well, well, I mean, I uh, the thing with supergroup albums is that like it never lasts very long. Like you go with your um, again, like for the last couple of weeks, I've been listening to like a lot of varied music. So mm-hmm. um, I started listening to the blind the the one Blind Faith album, sure, because um, I was on a Ginger Baker tear, and um. I mean, that was one great album, but there's never, like, they never had, like, as many critics have pointed out, and so have I, like, can you imagine if they made a second one? Mm. How much better that would be, sound-wise? Um, and just to see, like, how Winwood has, would have changed as, like, a songwriter with, like, those guys. Right. Like, that's the thing is, like, with supergroups in general, it's always so great on paper, and it's usually really good, or you know, kind of hit or miss like on the debut album, but it mm-hmm. never lasts beyond that. Well, see, I'm gonna I'm gonna disagree with, but okay. well, but okay. I'm gonna say the exception to that, for better or for worse, is Traveling Wilburys. Okay. I was, I was I was gonna come in with I was gonna yeah. swoop in with Wilburys. Yeah, I, I I was gonna say before before you go on and then <laughs> <laughs> tell me about you know um, the Wilburys like I think they were pretty much fully formed from the beginning. I and I think that has to do with they, Lynn they, had worked with. Well, yeah, but they'd also all kind of knew each other and, mm-hmm. and played with. You know, played in various incarnations of things. But Lynn had, I, I think Jeff Lynn had worked, had definitely worked with Pei at this point. Well, and worked was, with Harrison. Yeah, and and I don't know if he had worked with Harrison yet, but but 
They were if he hadn't yet, they were about to for sure. Because yeah. Cloud Nine is Cloud Nine is, is a is a Lynn yeah. is a Lynn uh produced. Produced. Um I know that we're gonna disagree on this, but I, I prefer Jeff Lynn as a producer to a, a singer and songwriter. I know you you like ELO. I like ELO. I I, 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 I yeah. think um but I don't think you're and plus Lynn, um but to further my point about Lynn is Lynn's always inspiration has always been the Beatles. Oh sure. Yeah. So um like that's why he's always aiming for that's why it's what he was always aiming for with ELO mm-hmm. was he was trying to make like an orchestrated Beatles sure record. Um so and then I don't know if Lynn ever worked with Dylan. But I mean, they they all knew they, each they, other. Yeah, but, but Dylan had to work with Petty, and Dylan knew Harrison. I what's mm. what the you know the interesting kind of outlier is Roy Orbison. Yeah, I mean he's he's kind of a generation ahead of all of these guys, and you know you've got I I think that for Orbison's involvement, it's almost like Orbison to them would have been like, um, you know, certainly I think I, I think because Petty was the youngest of that group, or mm-hmm. at least, you know, as far as starting in, in music and everything like that, the Beatles had already come and gone by the time you get petty. Um, Dylan had already made his, his big mark by the time you get petty. I think Lynn and, and petty are a little more contemporaries because mm-hmm. the heartbreakers and, and, um, ELO he was already up around the same time. Petty was already like in mud crutch and all that stuff. When Lynn was already like, yeah, yeah. Doing that stuff. But, um, but Orbison is kind of, you can kind of imagine mm. everybody else in that band being like, we're fucking working with Roy Orbison over yeah. here. You know? That's when everybody's like, oh shit, that's Roy Orbison. Yeah. Like, and, can you imagine Bob Dylan being like, yeah, man, it's, yeah. it's Roy. It's, <laughs> so that, really I, I, and I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about the Wilburys, but mm. for me, supergroups in general have diminishing returns. I, I think often, um, it it is like to your point nicer on you know a better idea on paper than it is in in practice. Um, I think that there. And I'm sorry to did not, but even um, to take it a step further, as someone who closely followed uh, Jack White and whatever he was doing, mm-hmm. you think about the rock and tours and the dead weather. Yeah. Um, like it's like oh man, this is Graham. Like this is so great. Mm-hmm. Like. He's working with all these cool indie, other indie bands that he likes. And then he listens to the album like, oh, eh, it's a Jack White album. I, I think that the the first Raconteurs album has some great moments on it. Oh, yeah. It. Um, but, I mean, like, it's nothing. If, and it kind of got finally got Brendan Benson his due. Yeah, but if you look at it with the Woolberries as, like. The peak. The pinnacle, bar. Yeah. Like, the Raconteurs, the first album falls a little short. Oh, yeah. And, like. All these super groups kind of fall here and right. there, but I think we're in agreement that the Woolberries sets the bar, right? I think so. I I think that the other one, if you can consider it a, a, a super group, would probably be Mad Season. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I I think that album. Oh my god, is pretty fucking fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, Temple of the Dog, Dog is, is also kind of a is also kind of a super group album. I mean, it, but. In both of those cases, it's a it's a little bit, um, it's it's a little bit different because there's still a defined frontman for it. Temple of the Dog is you know is Chris Cornell, 
Eddie Vedder guests on a couple of the tracks, but it's primarily Pearl Jam plus Chris Cornell. Well, I mean, to take that even further, it's it's pretty much. Um, uh, it's, it's Chris Cornell with a better it's, band. It's, well, it's mother. It's, it's mother love bone with Chris Cornell. Yeah, um, it's Chris Cornell with a better band. Nothing, nothing against Soundgarden, but yeah, I've, I've, I, my. What's interesting is my favorite Chris Cornell work tends to not be the Soundgarden stuff. It's not. Um, I, I think his stuff for the single soundtrack is some of my favorite. He's got some really good solo stuff. Um, anyway. Uh, again, I, don't I could go get, on. I could go on. I don't want to get another super unknown aside. That. Yeah, <laughs> like being the peak of Soundgarden, both chart-wise and creative-wise. Yeah, I mean, for me, <laughs> Soundgarden just ends up falling into a little too close to metal for my taste. And it's that's, it's it's that's a little kind of harder edged, um, and that's just never. I can respect it, and there are some examples of it that I enjoy. But that's never really been my listening mm-hmm. taste. I'm much more interested in, in melody and pop music, and so that mm-hmm. kind of falls outside of that for me. But um, and then I think Mad Season is a little closer to a supergroup. But that but Lane Staley is the frontman of that band. Yeah. Um, and again, with contributions from Lanigan, but it's it's still ostensibly that. Uh, but I don't know. I I think that this ends up being. A very good example of that, and I think that once we get to talk about Weird Tales on the next episode, um, that I think Weird Tales is actually an improvement on that on on this album. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I you know in the case of the Wilburys, that first album is gold. That is, it's an amazing album. I mean, the fact that we got Handle with Care off of that album, um, it's just it's such an incredible song. If they gave us nothing else. That that is such a great song. That whole album is a fucking banger. It's a great album. It's it's interesting for the lack of presence of Dylan on it almost because there's very little Dylan in it. There, you know, there's, be, you know, because, and I like Dylan as a singer, but when you've got Roy Orbison in your band, you know, and you've got, and I I think that George Harrison has a nice vocal quality, a very warm vocal quality. Mm-hmm. I love um, George Harrison. He's my favorite Beatle. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with you. Um, I think Even push comes did, to shove. Yeah. I think he's probably my favorite. Um, now, you know, when, even though Petty has limited range as well, at that point, you can't not have Petty coming to the fore. I mean, that's peak. He's about to do full moon fever. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's kind of like the pinnacle of popularity for Petty. Um, but Dylan kind of sits in the background a little bit on mm-hmm. on, on that album. Um, I, maybe that's... And that maybe has a lot to do with Lynn being mm, a producer. Sure. Because Lynn, I mean, I'm sure was an admirer, but I don't think they had worked together. Well, but I also think that that's... I, I think if you... And I've read a little bit of the history on on the Wilburys as well. This this was kind of a bright point in an otherwise very dismal period for Dylan. Yeah, uh, his output at that time was very m- meh. No one talks about A's Dylan. No, except for Oh Mercy. Yeah, uh, that that definitely being the highlight of the decade, mm-hmm. and that coming in at the very end of the decade. Uh, but th- so to get back to 
to down by the old main stream. Which um, we need to point out to the the pun. Yes. Uh, of the title. Oh yeah, of course. Because this was not you know. This is us pointing out that pun. It's yeah. a pun, folks. Uh, <laughs> and it also is. It is a line. It's a Jeff Tweedy line mm-hmm. um, that is used in Radio King, but it's also used in a track off of Being There. Um, oh, shoot. What is the track off of Being There? Uh, so how did you come to know? Like, I, I have my assumptions in how you came to this. How did you come to this record? Well, I mean, I would imagine that your assumptions are probably correct, which is that as I as I do, I get obsessed with a band and an artist, and mm-hmm. I dig into any other work that they've done. Mm-hmm. So as I was getting into Wilco, um, which I and I think I've said this before, I didn't get into Wilco until um, Mermaid Avenue because right. I was already into Billy Bragg, mm-hmm. um, and of course, I, unfortunately for me, that whole partnership of Billy Bragg and Wilco um, is. Uh, is is it was I don't know. There's there's to go back to Tweety's book to hear him talk about how they got together with Billy Bragg and how that relationship was. Um, I'm a little disappointed. I wanted them to like. Anyway, I'm not going to get into it. They but needed him more than he needed them. You realize ne- that, right? Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I mean that that album isn't what it is without Wilco. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so kind of to, to what I was, I was starting to say there, sorry, I'm getting distracted by trying to find the, oh, someday soon is the song on being there that also has the down by the old mainstream line. Um, I mean, obviously Tweety does like his puns. The, so I was, I, I had gotten, um, Mermaid Avenue, loved the album. I'm like, okay, what has Wilco done? Um, at that period that I got, um, that I got uh, Mermaid Avenue, they had, I think Being There was the most recent album. And so I got that and fucking loved it. <clears throat> and they were just about to release uh, Summer Teeth. Yeah. Which again... I'm like, oh, this this is now one of my favorite bands. Between those two albums, they became one of my all-time favorite bands. Mm-hmm. So then that sent me to, it sent me, of course, then back to AM, and then it sent me to Uncle Tupelo, and it sent me to then also Golden Smog. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, Tweety's prominently involved in these, in at least these two albums, so I picked up Down by the Old Mainstream and Weird Tales. Um, and and loved both of them. And then that took me into into the Jayhawks. Mm-hmm. That's so. Once I heard those two Golden Smog albums, I was like, okay, I want to hear, I want to hear the Jayhawks output. And I got um, tomorrow the Green Grass. I'm like, okay, these guys fucking rule. Um, so that's that's how I come down, come to Golden Smog. What about did that fit your assumption? And yeah, that definitely fit my assumption. I figured it had to do with the Tweety, uh, the Tweety connection. Um, I. Um, I remember seeing the Weird Tales record uh, when I used to go record shopping, and I was really uh, into. 
Okay, come on. Let's can we say that it's CD shopping at that point? This is the mid nineties. Okay, so I was shopping for CDs, mm-hmm. and I, I I mean that it's weird, their heyday. We have to we have yeah. to be honest about this. And that Weird Tales uh, album cover is. Uh, I love that cover. It's 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 eye catching uh, to say the least. Um, well, we'll talk about it at length on the on the next episode, right? And I didn't know too much about it. Like I wasn't, and I saw. I think this is my. Uh, this is in my time when I when I chose between. I think this is at the time when I chose between uh, my uncle Tupelo daddies. Oh, between Sunvolt and and Wilco. <laughs> yeah, and and I chose. I chose. To, you chose uh, unwisely. <laughs> You, you chose you chose poorly, as the knight says in the Temple of Doom. <laughs> and I chose poorly, so I figured um, Tweety. <laughs> so I, 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 I oh, this is guy Jeff Tweety. I don't, you know, I, I, I stick with my Sunbolt guy. And, and I, and sure, I, and Mi- Miss Mr. Grumpy Pants Jay Ferrar. Yeah, I, I chose Jay, and mm-hmm. uh, um, and think of all the think of all the stuff I missed. Right? Oh yeah, I know. At the time. I still, I, I still haven't gone back to Sunvolt. I, I, when honestly, and this, this, this might rub some, some of our listeners the wrong way. When I listen to Uncle Tupelo albums, I will often skip the J tracks. That's fair. Um, <laughs> there are some great ones on there. Yeah, but there, there are also some where I'm just like, oh, I can't listen to this guy drone on in his baritone. Yeah, I, 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 um, I haven't listened to Tupelo in a while, and that has a lot to do with it. That's uh, that second album though. Was it second or third album? Uh, no, third album. Because still feel gone is the, is mm-hmm. the second one. That that second album that has the date range. It's like March whatever. Mm-hmm. That's produced by by um, by Peter Buck. That album fucking rules. Uh, I will. I may have to reassess. But anyway, so it wasn't until at least fifteen years later. And I and I realized that I chose the wrong daddy, <laughs> and um, and you went to Jeff and said, "Please, please, can I, can I come live with you now? <laughs> can, I, can I come with you, with you, Jeff?" And Jeff welcomed me. Was like, "Who are you? <laughs> who are, who are you?" And I'm like, "I'm I'm your son. <laughs> I'm Jason." <laughs> and he says, "I made a I made a mistake," <laughs> and and he and he held me in his loving arms and. Uh, told me that he loved me. Um, oh well, that's a nice story. Yeah, um, but uh, I actually had a friend, um, Amanda, who was in. You had a friend. I had a friend. <laughs> uh, several Sorry. at the time. Uh, many actually at this time. I and they they like me for me, not because they hung with Leonardo. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, um, so I and she knew I was a big Wilco fan. And said, "Do you, and she was a big Jayhawks fan, and she said, "Have you listened to Golden Smog?" And I'm like, uh, "I've heard them, but I've never listened to them." And she lent me Weird Tales, and I liked it. Um, but uh, I also loved uh, picking on my friend, uh, so I gave her shit for liking the Jayhawks. <laughs> uh, oh, which you then also felt bad for afterwards, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah I felt, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I I don't I don't access the Jayhawks on a regular basis, but um, they are just oh hard. man. I Tomorrow the Green Grass slaps. Those two albums, Hollywood Town Hall and Tomorrow the Green Grass, are argument enough for them being 
yeah up there yeah i mean i don't like seek them out or anything it's just um mm. and but that, that song like two hearts come on Dude, okay. I'm sorry. I just... all right. Sorry. I'm not. I'm, not, I'm gonna be done giving you shit. I'm just saying that I. I think that if at some point you give yourself but... the opportunity to dive back into the Jayhawks, especially that that early mid '90s period, that you will come to have a deeper appreciation for. But that. I'm telling you, this week. Mm-hmm. So this week, I, I I saw Betsy and the Sun Punchers. Okay, which okay. which I was too tired to go to. And, yeah, and, and that's fair because yeah. I didn't stay very long. Um, because she had an opener, um, um, and, uh, who fucking ruled, uh, Oh, who was the opener? Mean Gene and the Soul Scorchers. Oh. Very Vic Chestnut. Oh, that sounds good. Oh my God. My interest is piqued. I will send you a YouTube video recorded at Yucca that I found. Cool. Um, that will, um. It's just great, and I wish I had. I wish I had said for one. I wish I had said hi, to Betsy, but I hadn't seen Betsy in like three years. So I doubt she remembers me. Um, so I didn't see the point, and I finally got to see John Rahouse play. Um, oh yeah, he's he's the fucking man. Oh my god! Like the twenty minutes I, I stuck around for their show because they didn't get on. They didn't start playing until ten. Oh, um, just as the moth. Story to line was getting out, which uh, that's disruptive. Yeah, exactly. I, I do want to take a moment to pause and just say if you haven't listened to the Sun Punchers, that you should do yourself a favor and seek them out now. Oh my god, please do. And if you can find um, Mean Gene and the Soul Scorchers, if um, that is if Vic, if Vic Chestnut is your jam, then I got some peanut butter for you. <laughs> <laughs> I got some cheese. No, that that almost made me spew coffee out. Yeah, that, that I, I shouldn't good. say cheese. I shouldn't say cheese with the jam, other than because it makes it sound like it's that a cheese. Be band. like a brie, I guess. I don't know, but it's just like I'm it, not a big cheese and jam person. Neither but peanut butter I, and jelly for sure. Yeah, they're the peanut butter to this. Like if if Big Chest knows your jam, I've got some peanut butter to go with that sandwich. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway. Um, and you should always listen to the Sun Punchers and I don't care if you're from Arizona or not. They're just, they've got an album and EP that are available. I think you can get them on Spotify. I haven't looked to see if it's on Apple music. It probably yeah. should be, but they are both fantastic. And yeah. Betsy's a great songwriter. Yeah, she is. She's amazing. And again, I wish I had said hi. I wish I introduced myself to John. I wish I did a lot of things. John is just, John is such a mensch. Uh, I, I've interviewed him before. Well, a couple of times I interviewed him solo. And then I interviewed him uh, with the rest of the Sun Punchers. And he's just one of the nicest, coolest fucking guys I've ever met. So, I, Who also plays with Nico Case on a regular basis. Yeah, I know. Like... Yeah. <laughs> Fucking A, dude. Yeah. Um, anyway, um, so between that and listening to this, and I have been getting into like some like alt country, like folk rock a lot lately. Mm-hmm. So I have a feeling that pretty soon the Jayhawks. You'll go back to the Jayhawks. Uncle Gary is going to come knocking on the door. I'm going to open it wide. So, uh, you know, and. and- Gary Loris's solo stuff is pretty good too. He's only mm. got two solo albums, but for his last solo album, um, I believe Jeff Tweedy offered the the uh, the quote um, that he sings like the angels, basically. Yeah, and he's not wrong. 
and I'm at the point now where I'm about where Summer Teeth is about to knock Yankee Hotel Foxtrot off number one. I've been listening to it a lot lately. And Interesting. Been... My number one has always been being there. <laughs> I like being there just fine. It's definitely like top three for me. Yeah. But Summer Teeth lately is just kicking my ass. In the Summer Teeth way. is a great pop album. I mean, it's... I, it's got like that. There's, there's no... You know, the, I mean... The involvement of Jay Bennett, that I mean, that's their peak relationship as 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 collaborators, mm-hmm. Bennett and Tweedy. I mean, that the fact that that album came out of it is worth Bennett's involvement in the band. Yeah, I just love the lyrics off that off that Summer Teeth album. The lyric, I mean, yeah, absolutely. That album fucking rips. Like you think, like we fell in love in the KFC. Oh yeah. Following me down the neck to D. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, well, I mean, I think, you know, even if you want to talk about the the title track, um, some of the imagery on the on, on Summer Teeth is great. You know, the, um, from the typewriter, Ribbon of Shadow Grows. Mm-hmm. And getting back to Golden Smog, the mm-hmm. standout track for me is Radio King. Radio, which, oh, okay. So, which, which it, I mean... I, I assume that Tweedy wrote the lyrics on that. I would say so. It's a. It says it's a Tweedy Luris collaboration, mm-hmm. but it's it's. I, I mean, it feels like it felt like I think, something he would write. Th- well, I would say that the 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 opening riff is is a very Luris riff. I, I would say he probably contributed that, but otherwise, it sounds like a, a Tweedy tune, mm-hmm. uh, unmistakably. I want to get into. I, I I do have notes on what my favorite tracks on this album, mm-hmm. are because it, it is. I I go back to this album a fair amount because of how much it sounds like they're having a great time. Mm-hmm. I do think it's an inconsistent album for yeah. me. It's a solid. I would say three and a half out of five stars. I would give it, and, and if I'm doing layers, I would give it a B. Uh, yeah, solid B. I would give it maybe. I would give it maybe a B plus on a generous yeah. day. eight percent. So. Standout tracks for me on this. I mean, V is a good opener. I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, that one, that one, you know, you're in for a good time. That's yes, a good. Exactly. It's um, a good ta- uh, table setter. But so standout tracks. I'm just going to go kind of in order of their appearance. Uh, I I know it's kind of cheesy, and I know that I, I read the Entertainment Weekly review where they actually called this out as kind of a dud. But I love pecan pie. Oh yeah. I think it's just a fun. It's a fun, sweet song. Um, you know, especially when you get to now, don't you call me key lime? You're the apple of my eye. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's a very, it's a very band, the band. It's a, yeah, it's something that you would see like on a, like a bluegrass type thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, but I mean, all I want is you and a piece of pecan pie. That's such a sweet lyric. Mm -hmm. I mean, and this is also he Tweety and, um, and, and Sue are already, uh, I think they're already married at this point. You know, the, they're they're up there with relationship goals for me. Yeah. Um, and I I would say that that this song is is a very sweet um, gift kind of gift for her. I know that he will frequently write love songs for his wife, which is also just unbearably um, like. How do you get to be such a great songwriter and have a solid relationship? You know, fuck you. Um, <laughs> 
history has taught us you can have one or the other, but not both. Uh, <laughs> but so pecan pie is a is a is a personal favorite of mine. I think their cover of Glad and Sorry, which is one of my favorite fucking songs, mm. is really good. The harmonies of Gary Luris and Tweedy on that song are great. Mm-hmm. They do a solid performance. It's it's that riff rips. Um, I think, uh, and that's that's a that is a um, shoot. What's it's this? It's the faces, not the small faces. Um, Denny, uh, no, not Denny Lane. God damn it! What's his name? Why can't I think of it? Uh, Ronnie Lane. Yeah. Denny Lane is, is I believe, uh, Paul McCartney's cousin, and who's in Wings. Yes, yes. Let's <laughs> see. Denny Lane's and in... no, Ronnie Lane. Uh, Who did? I've been listening to that. That Pete, Pete Townsend, Townsend and Ronnie Lane. Oh my! God. But yeah, Ronnie Lane is is the small faces and the faces, uh, and one of the the greatest songwriters of his day. Um, I don't think that he probably gets enough love these days, um, largely because he died so young. But that that song, Glad and Sorry, is such a great fucking track, and I think that they do well by it. I would also say that Radio King, that the opening riff for Radio King is a is heavily influenced by that riff on Glad and Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, won't be coming home, which is a Luris track, which would sit comfortably in the running order of of Tomorrow the Greengrass. It it sounds like a Jayhawks track is a is a standout. I think he's a dick is a great song. <laughs> I I think that's such a fun song. Um, it's I love that so much. Yes, I think I think it's great. Um, Nowhere Bound, which is the which is the song that Dave Perner does lead vocals on, I think that's a standout track as well. I think that's a great that's a tr- that's a great track. Um, and then Radio King is the is the closer. I think that's I think that's a banger. Um, everything else on there is varying degrees of some of it. I think is is kind of meh, mm-hmm. and then some of it is is better than meh. Um, but those those six tracks are the standouts to me on this album. Yeah, Radio King. I, I would agree with you. I I, I, I enjoy. It. I think he's a dick a lot. It's, it's like such a fun track. It's like kind of like this. It's something. It's kind of like a pu- little punk song, but lyrically, it's like a punk song. Lyrically, it is, but musically, yeah, it's, it's this. It's this kind of barroom country kind of song. Yeah, and I also it's it's the it's the song that the that the band plays as they've been drinking more and more beer throughout the night it's yeah, a yeah. kind of mid-tempo um you know beginning to sway a little bit at mm. the mic kind of song yeah and i also really like radio king stood out to me i just love the the voice your voice breaks every time oh yeah um li- lyric and um i just thought that was great but pecan pie i um as much as it sticks out like a sore thumb to me like and and that record, I love it. It's so yeah. much fun. Yeah, and V or five or yeah, yeah. That like that's that's sort of like oh, it's definitely V. V is supposed to be a person. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like V is the to me that V is the um 
it's the it's the table setter. Yeah, it's, it's the one like you you know you're in for a good time. I mean, like I, I had a lot of fun. It's a fun <laughs> album, right? Yeah. I mean, and so t- just to point out some of the lyrics of "He's a Dick," the opening lines are: <laughs> "I once knew a guy who always asked for money. I give him ten, he'd insist on twenty. It's a great yeah." Um, you know, then in the chorus being, all I want to know is why he is such a prick. Please tell me so I'll know what makes this get what makes guys like him tick. He's such a dick. Um, it's it's so so great when you get down to um, unsatisfied. A word he often uses is need. He is usually really wired on that cheap trucker speed. Last time he was at my house, he tried to walk away with my weed. <laughs> And then, you know, just the kind of, you know, band checking line of Jeff plays bass, Mark and I play rhythm, Dan and Gary play lead. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, oh, my God. That's it's so it's a fun song. It's a it's a fun band song. Anyway, I, so that's I mean, that's down by the old mainstream. It's, that was so great to listen to that. Um, I get, it's it's not an album that's going to go down. I think as one of the greatest collaboration albums of all time. I think it's it's got some some people that are that are just having a blast playing together, and mm-hmm. sometimes that's one of the best albums to go to. When you 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 know, it just when you can hear through the speakers, these guys are having a good time. I mean, it's a great and that so- that it, goes a long way to carrying an album. It's a I mean. If you want a great soundtrack for your folk Americana party, as mm, mm-hmm. as we often have here in Phoenix, uh, sure, uh, that's your jam. Like that's what you put on first. Yeah. So on so, your on your five disc CD <laughs> changer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it's it's also one of those albums that you kind of if you're hanging out talking with friends, you put it on later in the evening when you're already you're all a little for schnickered and you're kind of like drinking your beer and you you it's it's well, I mean, maybe I'm just describing myself, but, <laughs> you know, you kind of raise your finger at some point during he's a dick and you're like, wait for it. This is the line. Cheap trucker speed. Try to walk away with my weed. <laughs> it's definitely one. It's definitely one you put on if you're if you're running the bar that night. It's often when you point out eleven. Yeah, because by noon or by by midnight. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna you probably want to go home. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, I I, I that, would, that's when you put on your Wilco and your. <laughs> I this this is one of the. I, I'm glad that we are on a mini series that starts with this album. I think it's a fun way to start the series. Um, I I think that it's definitely one that I could comfortably recommend to people who like these artists individually. Um, and it, I mean, it's definitely of that time for all of these bands. You can hear this is AM era Tweety. You can hear this is um, uh, uh, Tomorrow the Greengrass era Gary Lewis. So if you like those albums already, this is definitely one to seek out. Oh, yeah, I agree. I um, and uh to my friend Amanda, who will, I haven't probably spoken to in years. Thanks. Uh, <laughs> so, but I, I'm I'm not I'm not going to borrow any more your Jayhawks records. <laughs> All right. So I think at this point we're done talking about this album. Yeah. Our next uh, episode in this mini series is going to be on another Golden Smog album, Weird Tales. Mm-hmm. That'll be next time. Let's do recommendations real quick. All right. 
You got one to, to... I do. I've got I've got several, but uh the one that stood out for me, the one the thing that I consumed uh over the last two weeks that um absolutely blew me away. Um Jonah Hill's documentary Stuts. Oh, okay. It's on Netflix. And it's a documentary about his therapist. And oh, is that Phil Stutz? Yes. He's so he's kind of like I think that has he not been on Marin before? I have no idea. I want to say he's been on Marin and I, I he definitely came up in the context of Hank Azaria's interview because I think he was also his therapist. He's one of those like no nonsense guys. He is he's pretty great. I mean he he tolerates uh Jonah's jokes uh well. Mm-hmm. And um what it starts out like as like and I don't know like how meta it, it's supposed to be, but you think it's gonna go this way. And then fifteen minutes later he's like, This isn't I'm not being who I'm wanna be. I'm and you realize like his office is a green screen that Jonah's been wearing a wig. Oh yeah. <laughs> um and um they kind of peel it all away and you learn more about Jonah and, uh, but it's really about Phil, uh, our his therapist. Um, and I was touched by it. I cried a lot. Um, you learn a lot about who Jonah Hill is and the journey he's on. And you learn a lot about like, his therapist and uh and you realize that they're not uh they're not without their flaws and their uh their quirks and their you know insecurities um and their depressive episodes as well so um i really um enjoy it i very highly recommend it it's on netflix okay um and um yeah, that's that's what the one I strongly recommend. That's the one I'm gonna. That's the one you're gonna go with. That's what I'm gonna go with this week. All right, I'm gonna recommend a film that I watched uh, just last night. Actually, that I, I I took a chance on. It's on Hulu. Um, it's called Save Yourselves! Exclamation point. Oh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like an end of the world sort of thing. There's a there's there's a little bit of an alien invasion kind of aspect to it. It's kind of a it's it's a it's a very odd film, but it's also a breeze of a film. It's about ninety minutes. It goes by very quickly. It goes down very smooth. I think it's pretty funny. It's about this couple who decide um, that they're going to kind of uh, take a break from all technology and social media. And in the meantime, during that break, uh, all hell breaks loose worldwide. Is this the Matt Walsh Eva Longoria movie? No. No, it's not. Uh, this is a very small independent film. Okay. Uh, it's. Oh no! That, uh, one thing is something else. I hear it's bad. So, okay. Um, so this must be something completely different. Which thank God. Well, so so I recommend this one. Um, it's it's the couple at the forefront, and there's there are some scenes that have other actors, but it's almost I would say ninety percent this couple, uh, who are very charming together. It's John Reynolds who uh, I knew from Search Party. He's he's one of the main characters. He plays one of the main characters on that. And uh, Sunita Mani, uh, who I 
had seen in Glow. She mm-hmm. plays one of the one of the main wrestlers in Glow. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a lot of fun together. I think they carry the movie well. Um, it's it's certainly an interesting premise now, considering what's happening on on Twitter and everything. But this kind of disconnection, it's um, it's it's just it's a very kind of light film. It's very funny. I think that the aliens in it are a lot of fun. Uh, it was kind of a, a thing that I hadn't seen before. It almost I, I don't really want to spoil it, so I'll leave that as a surprise. But if if you're looking for a sort of um, fun take on that kind of like end of the world genre um it's it's a lot of fun and uh i wasn't expecting it i wasn't expecting to enjoy it as much um it's it's definitely a solid again out of as we as we rate things in this modern culture a solid three and a half out of five stars (laughs) it's it was it's a good time um if you're just kind of looking to unwind and have a, a a few chuckles i think it's it's one of the films that i would recommend for that uh, so it's called Save Yourselves, uh, and like I said, it was it was available on on Hulu. All right. Yeah, I I, I was really surprised by the where starts went. I I just uh, and I can't tell like what's real and what's not, and that's kind of the fun of it. Mm. Um, but when it gets when it gets good, it gets you, you. It gets good. You can't help but be moved by it. Last thing I want to say. I didn't want to make this an official recommendation, but I've got to say it. I really liked Andor. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it. I, I didn't want to make it a recommendation because, again, I, I, I want to continue to err on the side of recommending things that maybe people aren't aware of and that a lot of people aren't saying is good. But I think Andor is probably one of the best, if not the best, um, Star Wars series. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 it's... I'm going to put that on Tony Gilroy. It's definitely, I mean, if it wasn't a Star Wars vehicle, it would still be a great show, um, which I think is what they have to continue to veer towards is if you take away the Star Wars of it, does this stand on its own? And I would say this show very much does. Um, yeah, Diego Luna is is great in it. Um, and so is Stellan Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. Man, fucking just, it's cool as shit. <laughs> um by the way, um, uh, Mythic Quest is back. Which, again, I don't have Apple TV, so um, yada yada. It's, it's starting to get back in its groove. Yeah. Done, they've done three episodes so far. And uh, the la- last night's episode was pretty great. Um, very low-key as well. I don't know. I, I'm, I might bring Apple TV back again at some point, maybe after after Ted Lasso. Um, so I can get both of them, but, um, and I'll, uh, I know I'll have to get HBO when Succession comes back, but, um, I'm really honestly enjoying how many more movies I'm watching without, mm-hmm. without having so many streaming services. I'm down to just three now, as far as streaming services go. Um, and yeah, I've been watching a lot more. You know, like I, I even stuff that I've already watched going back, you know, because I, I just feel like maybe I'll make this my last point before we kind of wrap up here. Yeah, I think that I really didn't know how much I had missed rewatching things. The problem with having so many options and so many 
you know, definitely good things to try to dive into and new things to discover is that it means that I was not going back and rewatching things that I love. Mm-hmm. So the fact that I have the opportunity to do that without having so many streaming options, I, I, I really enjoy having that back. And, um, it's, you know, like I've, I rewatched all of the Roger Moore, James Bonds. I've now, even things that I hadn't watched before that I had sitting there to watch, I've now watched um, all of the Alien franchise. Not, not Alien versus Predator, uh, which I actually, doesn't, doesn't I count. saw in the theater um, and did not love. But, um, you know, kind of things that I, that I had missed. Like, I, I, I think... Prometheus and Alien Covenant fucking rule. Covenant fucking slaps. Yeah, Covenant is is the better of the two. Uh, yeah, Fastbender in that is fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, I just that that was kind of my my quick little rant is that I I didn't realize how much I had enjoyed, um, or missed you know revisiting things that I loved. I I, I also started rewatching the. Um, original cast Star Trek movies again. And I, I fully, you know, Star Trek The Motion Picture used to be one of my least favorite films of all time of, good, of the series. It? It's actually, yeah. I mean, I think that... Bull boring. Well, but I was not as bored by it this time. I, I think that having, you know, recently rewatched 2001, I was ready for another slow space movie. Yeah, I think, I think that's what Wise was going for. Oh yeah, he was. There's I, definitely some homage to 2001 in there. Yeah, and as much as I, um, I haven't watched it. I I haven't watched the motion picture in about a decade. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing I remember about it is just these long, slow shots of the Enterprise. As yeah, we've never seen it before. Oh, like fetishizing the Enterprise, pretty much. And yeah, I just like it's an Enterprise centerfold. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, my my starship is a centerfold. <laughs> but I mean, check, yeah, check out the warp engines on this baby. Yeah, those <laughs> nacelles go on for days. <laughs> but, Jared, it's time for dinner. I'm giving it all she's got, Mama. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Uh, (laughs) anyway but yeah I mean just going back and and watching um, Montalban and and Shatner ham it up on screen in Wrath of Khan they're so good at trading those just over the top you know just huge slabs of ham it's the whole hawk basically (laughs) you know and and it's it's so fucking good Um, I mean Montalban with that hair and that chest. <laughs> Come on. It's fucking killer. And Search for Spock. I didn't, you know, that had always been one of my lesser, uh, I, I had considered that a lesser film in the franchise too, but Christopher Lloyd is so good as a Klingon in that. As the main villain, he fucking rules. I haven't watched that one in a while. God, I gotta get back into that. Yeah, I watched I, Voyage Home like a few years ago, and like that one still is great. That one's a lot of fun. Um, anyway, I've I've gone on long enough uh, about this. Yeah, I, I'm um, now that I don't have HBO, 
anymore. I I'm leaning more on Netflix for my entertainment, and I'm uh, uh, uh and uh, I'm enjoying the ride. Though um, I'm kind of like now like really wanting some like Criterion Channel. <laughs> yeah, Criterion. Oh, that's the other one that I still have is Criterion Channel. So I guess I have four streaming services. But I'm not. I'm not. Uh, I if even if I let everything else go, I'll keep the Criterion Channel because it's it almost ends up being it almost ends up being like my my streaming music service for for albums. You know how I'll listen to an album and then decide whether or not I want to go buy the the the, the physical copy. Yeah. Um, I will watch something on Criterion Channel and decide what, basically what my list is for the the Criterion fifty percent mm. off sales. Yeah, that's. Do you know what you're getting for? Have you gotten your selection for this month yet? You know what? I skipped it this time because I still have ones that I bought last time that I haven't opened and watched yet. So. Oh yeah, I, I'm I'm thinking about upgrading my Miller's Crossing. I uh, well, to, we can start as we finished. Um, yeah. It was disappointing to hear that they've tinkered with the original. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, so so even if I do get the Criterion edition, I'm keeping my my DVD so that I have oh, the I original um, version of it. I, I I would keep mine too, and uh, but I kind of want those extras um, a little bit. Um, we hear, um, but yeah, I um, I really I'm trying to say figure out what I want from that, and I haven't figured that out yet. So, or if I'm even gonna get anything. So yeah, no, I still I still have to catch up on my ones from last time. But all right, that's gonna do it. We're gonna wrap it up. Uh, next time again, Golden Smog, Weird Tales. Check it out. Thanks for listening, Platypeeps, and be sure to keep it mental. <laughs> <laughs>